The Cinemania Society presents Remedy by Patrick Ireland. Performed by Mark Hoffman and members of the Cinemania Society. It had been a nasty morning, and it didn't seem likely to improve with the arrival of midday. I decided to walk over to Flossie's for lunch. As I crossed the sidewalk outside my office, my boot heel caught in a knot hole. The hitching rail stopped me from a plunge into the brackish water of the horse trough at the cost of a punch in my chest that rammed my badge deep into the flesh beneath my linen shirt. My hat flopped into the trough. Gasping with the impact I'd taken, I fished out my hat and reflected on the fact that it wouldn't stay wet for long in a day like this promised to be. The dusty air above the street was already shimmering with rising heat, and it wasn't yet noon. I sighed, slapped my hat on the thigh of my Levi's, and headed toward Flossie's. I'd gone all of two blocks when I heard a sound that greeted my ears much the way a three-days-dead catfish would greet my nostrils. The calliope. I never could abide calliope music, not even when I was a tyke. For all I know, my mama was frightened by a calliope when she was carrying me. A thought passed through my mind that if events so far were any indication, this day might well end with my remains cooling in the rigor mortis. And I was beginning to hope the sooner the better. I made my way up Post Street toward the sound, the gorge rising higher with each step. Even if by some stretch of the imagination such a catawalling racket might somehow be enjoyable, I could never learn to appreciate it, not even at gunpoint. I came up on the infernal noise at the south end of Main Street. It turned out to be a wagon, slowly pulling into town behind a pair of ancient mules. An older style of wagon, like of which I had not seen in all my days. A garishly painted picture panels between the struts along both sides illustrating heroic scenes all populated with lots of <clears throat> practically naked young women and muscular men. The canvas of the wagon top was lettered in bold block print. Dr. Mumford's Modern Medical Miracle. <laughs> These huge red letters were outlined in black, which against the snowy white canvas gave a strong effect of something almost military yet at the same time theatrical. The calliope music wheezed on endlessly. It was one hell of an impressive sight. I didn't like it worth a damn. High up on the wagon seat sat a mountain of Chinese, braided quay as long as my arm and nearly as thick. He might have gone 300 pounds. The screeching of the calliope was such as to slow my thinking down. He might have gone 350. His bare feet, sticking up above the fascia board, looked away upwards of 20 pounds apiece. The 
planes of his face might have covered half an acre. <laughs> it occurred to me that a good-sized town could live healthily on the groceries it would take for a man that size just to work up a respectable fart. I stood alongside the roadway with the rest of the gawkers and watched as the noisy rig creaked its way into town. Once it had passed my vantage point, I could see that the Calliope itself was mounted on a smaller wagon trailed behind the main one like a caboose. As each note shrieked into the air, there was a little chuff of steam, so the total effect was that of a colorful square tea kettle on wheels. In light of all the minor explosions, it seemed ready to demolish itself any second and I found myself hoping it would hurry up and get it over with. The next moment, all thoughts of the raucous infernal engine evaporated from my mind as a girl on a prancing white horse hove into view. I swallowed hard. She wore a ruby red satin riding habit beneath a royal purple cloak broadly trimmed in gold, which trailed back from her shoulders in a shallow catenary to spread across the wide rump of her mount. Her hair was a copper cascade, fanned across her face in the way I had always imagined angels must wear theirs, fallen to the level of her breast. Hmm, can those the breast a man could lose himself in for days? A very lucky man. Like conical helmets in contour, swaying nicely with the horse's gait, they arrested my eyes, captured my imagination, and stopped my breath. As she passed, I caught the shimmering draft of her fragrance, and it seemed that I rose up in my boots to float along in its wake. A moment later, I realized that I had finally found a reason to go on living this day. After a start which might have sent the most optimistic fox scrambling after a trusty razor, I had been rewarded for my perseverance by the visitation of this ethereal creature. I found myself grinning like an idiot. I stepped off the board sidewalk followed the little parade and waded straight into a steam pile of horseshit. With a bitter curse, I headed for the blacksmith's, it being the nearest place with a pump. I had to rinse my damn boots off before I could go into Flossie's or any place else respectable. Unfortunately, the smithy was due south and the parade was headed north. I'd just have to catch up to the redhead later on. Uncle Sid sweat and paused at his anvil and eyed me as I asked if I might use his pump. Well, sure thing, Sheriff. Now, by the way, do you know you got horse shit all over your boots? finished my lunch at Flossie's and made my way uptown to where the medicine show wagon was parked. The rig had undergone something of a transformation in the last hour or so. The two mules had been unharnessed and led off from a 
side of the wagon facing the street had been opened out into a stage. An awning had sprouted up over the stage and banners hung from the guy ropes. These were blazoned with paintings of jungle scenes and wild animals. Around the back end, a window looked down the street toward the bandstand in the town square. Over this window hung a banner reading Dr. Mumford's Modern Medical Miracle. The big Chinese was unloading crates of bottles from inside the little wagon where the calliope traveled. <laughs> it was quite a layout. Still didn't like it worth a tinker's dam. Folks were beginning to accumulate in random knots around the wagons, drawn by the calliope and all the unusual activity. I stood in an inconspicuous spot and kept my eyes open. What the hell, I figured. The redhead was part of this thing. She was bound to show up and do a little dance or something. After a few minutes, a young guy in a snappy frock suit appeared on the stage and looked out at the assembled townsfolk. He smiled broadly and lifted his tall hat. Drawing a deep breath, he launched into his pitch. Greetings, good citizens. Allow me to compliment you on your lovely city. It reminds me of the town in which I spent the carefree days of my youth. Indeed it does. But I left that town, friends, at the tender age of twenty years, and went to seek my fortune in the wide world, never dreaming where fate would lead me. And I must say that I did so was to the everlasting benefit of every man and woman who suffers from dyspepsia, flux, consumption, baldness, rheumatism, constipation, allergies of every stripe. Truly every malaise known to medical science and many... Perhaps yet undocumented. No doubt this seems a broad claim. But, my friends, you would do yourself a grave unkindness were you to walk away before hearing the astounding circumstances of my discovery. To his credit and my surprise, he managed to get this all out in one breath. Folks gathered about seemed immediately enraptured, their eyes beginning to glaze under the seductive torrent of words. Yes, friends, he went on. I left my pastoral home and for a number of years wandered aimlessly about the world until at last I joined an expedition of the famous Viennese physician and explorer, Dr. Heinrich von Steubendorf, whose name is revered in the finest medical institutions on the European continent. I happened to have the rare good fortune of being in Vienna at the time Dr. von Steubendorf was setting out to explore the mysterious jungle of Sumatra and was advertising for hardy men with steady nerves and a thirst for adventure. My friends, as a result of my accompanying the good doctor, on this expedition, I have something to offer you which will enrich the quality of your life beyond the limits of your wildest fantasy. At this point, the redhead sashayed out onto the little stage and exhibited some of the finer points of her anatomy by slipping the cloak from her shoulders. I, of course, being of firm resolve and iron constitution, Managed not to gape in open-mouthed stupefaction at the young lady's statuesque form, the essentials of which were nearly concealed by a garment as ample in size as a handful of poker chips. A small handful. Imagine, if you will. The good doctor was intoning as the cloak fluttered to the redhead's feet. The years dropping away from you like yesterday's soiled clothing. 
Any men in the audience who may have had trouble imagining such were generously assisted by the lovely girl who slithered about the stage with the flexibility of a double-jointed eel. Imagine leaping refreshed from your night's slumber to greet each new day with a robust energy you haven't known since childhood. Picture your reflection in the mirror beaming back at you with the inner glow of splendid health and sublime well-being. Does this sound like a condition you would be willing to enjoy for the rest of your life? I assure you, my friends, this will be you, a renewed body, bursting with the vital energies of youth. The redhead provided much in the way of inspiration as to just what one might do with such energies, leaving damn little to the imagination. Gone! Will be the aching back, the trembling hands, the wrinkled visage that evidence the tyranny of age. For in truth, what Dame Fortune led me to in the steamy jungles of Sumatra was a fabled spring of eternal youth. And I have brought this secret back to share with all who would cast away the ravages of time and the tortures of infirmity. Can this be true, you ask? My friends, it is not only true, but the evidence is before your very eyes. He swept his arms wide and bowed deeply from the waist. Indeed, you see before you not a man of thirty-five years, as I may appear, but of seventy-seven. Incredible, you say. I can provide documentation to prove it, ladies and gentlemen, but far better than mere paper proofs is the opportunity to witness the miraculous results with your own eyes. Now the massive Chinese swaggered onto the stage. He wore even less than the redhead. His sleek, oiled skin fairly glowed with health, rippling muscles bulging from every square inch of his body, as if ready to burst through the skin like an overripe persimmon. He was sleek as a big cat, only the great girth of his belly seeming to spoil an otherwise perfect physique. The leopard-skin loincloth was his only garment. Let me present the great wrestling champion of the mysterious Orient, Wang Fun. The giant bowed as deeply as his paunch would permit, then straightened ponderously and stood rock still, his mighty arms akimbo, his eyes fixed on infinity. The crowd was silent as a graveyard at midnight. Ladies and gentlemen, when I first came across this man, he was wheezing his last hours away in the terminal stages of consumption. His wasted frame weighed a paltry 62 pounds, and he was unable to rise from what he and his physician believed to be his deathbed. To his great good fortune, I was able to persuade his family to permit me to treat him with my modern medical miracle. Wang Fun lifted his arms and folded them across his glistening, expansive chest. You see before you the results of that treatment. Within 24 hours, Wang Fun was able to walk in a week to exercise normally in one month. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Wang Fun had gained 87 pounds of solid muscle and was ready to return to the wrestling ring. Inside of a year, he had regained his title as a national champion and to this day remains undefeated. He presents himself to you not only as an outstanding example of physical perfection, but is also ready to accept any challenge from among the men in your community. Any man who is able to remain in the ring with Wang Fun for two, two minutes will win two twenty dollars in gold. He asks only that any challenger put up the sum of one dollar in hard coin. Now, this evoked a considerable murmuring from the crowd. 
Behind me, I heard a fellow remark, I sure could use me a $20 gold piece. To which a female voice responded, Don't waste your money, Clyde. You're just too inept. Clyde's voice took on an injured tone. Maybe I'm a hell of a lot more apt than you think. On stage, the doctor was gusting right along. Now, now, good people, for obvious reasons, I cannot sell this medical elixir to anybody under the age of 21. But to those above that age, those who would restore their youthful vigor and renew their enjoyment of life, you have only to step around to the window and for a mere two dollars avail yourselves of the opportunity of a lifetime. Yes, friends, you heard right. Only two dollars buys you a new lease on life, health, happiness, and contentment. Two dollars for a pint of blessings such as the world has never before seen. Don't crowd now, there's plenty available, and all who seek this miracle shall be served. A good number of the men moved toward the window. Not surprising, since the redhead was now in place there, ready to take their money. She beamed and wriggled, much to the delight of the men and the disgust of the women. I noted a number of fellows being dragged off by their ears as irate wives took the offensive. There remained a few demure ladies, however, who, with sidelong glances, urged their men into the line at the window. Evidently, the promises of renewed vigor and youthful vitality were not lost on these fair creatures. Later, today, the doctor went on, there will be a demonstration of strength by the mighty Wang Foon, and for your further edification, the lovely Fatima will perform the exotic dance of enticement, as previously witnessed only in the harems of the great sheikhs of Arabia. Don't miss this unique opportunity to witness the temptations of the Orient as rendered in dance by the one and only Fatima. Shows at four o'clock, six o'clock, and a special private viewing of the charming Fatima at seven this evening. Tickets for this one-time event are available immediately though in limited numbers and at a mere five dollars each. Oh, hell! Somebody groaned. The girls over to the whorehouse is only two. Yeah, agreed another. And he can do a whole lot more than just look. These boys had a point, all right. But the girls at the whorehouse were about as appealing as anything a man might find wandering around the barnyard. And then I had to laugh right out loud as the mayor's skinny buck-toothed wife bustled past me clutching two bottles of Dr. Mumford's modern medical miracle. On reflection, I could see where a plump little hen might not stack up too badly against that. As folks either lined up or drifted away, I sauntered over to the edge of the stage and stood in such a way as to let my coat fall to one side, revealing the star on my waistcoat. Mumford was quick to notice it, so I had expected he would be. He lifted his tall hat. Good morning, Sheriff, he beamed jovially. Lovely town you have here. It reminds me of, uh... Yeah, I already caught your spiel. I interrupted before he could sail into it all over again. If it bothered him, I couldn't tell. Well then, you know the benefits that my, my elixir has to offer. He radiated enthusiasm fit to bust. I expect them benefits is something similar to old-fashioned hangover, I told him. Well, now, Sheriff, he lowered his voice slightly, 
I'd be obliged if you'd accept a bottle with my compliments and make your own judgment. He held out a bottle with a fancy label lettered in the same bold red print as on the side of his wagon. I nodded and kept my hands behind my back. There's also a matter of peddling within the city limits without a proper license. His smile didn't waver a particle. You know, Sheriff, it was my intention to look you up and take care of that matter, but so many folks had gathered around by the time we had the wagon set up that I couldn't resist the charitable side of my nature. I couldn't bear to let these poor citizens go another hour without the opportunity to repair their failing health. I do hope you'll forgive me for my oversight and also accept this ticket to the seven o'clock show featuring the incomparable Fatima. His eyebrows lifted. The, uh, private performance? He held out the ticket and the bottle, and the snowflake wouldn't have melted on his tongue. I was about to get to that, I said, still clasping my hands behind my back. There may be some question as to the moral propriety of such a show. You see, in addition to my duties as sheriff, it also happens that I am chairman of the Town Decency League. I gave this a moment to soak in as I glanced around to assure myself no one was in earshot who might overhear me telling such a whopper. I'm pleased to hear that, Sheriff. Mumford allowed, not missing a beat. Fatima's exhibition is purely educational, not to mention wholesome in the extreme. Let me just give you another ticket so you may bring your wife. The two of you will no doubt find Fatima's presentation consistent with the highest moral standards to be found anywhere. In that case, I pointed out, they must pay five dollars for the privilege of seeing it or bound to be a bit disappointed and might be inclined to seek redress against you for falsely advertising the nature of the show. I was beginning to get a feel for sparring with this slicker and was curious to see just how far he'd go along with me. Uh, perhaps in the case of this particular town, it might be appropriate to make an adjustment to the price of admission. He stated in an agreeable tone. It did appear, however, as he hitched his chin upward, that his celluloid collar was beginning to bind somewhat. The sweat glazing his fingers was no doubt attributable to the warmth of the afternoon. And where did you have in mind to hold this here private exhibition? The extended hand containing the bottle and ticket seemed to waver the, the least bit. Why, over there? He indicated the town square with a nod. We were going to set up our tent. I looked at my toes for a moment. Hmm. Is there a problem with that, Sheriff? A hint of exasperation had crept into his tone. He finally dropped his hand, but... Not before I relieved it of its burden. Might be, I reflected, stashing the bottle and tickets in my coat pocket before anyone happened to notice. You see, the town band generally uses the bandstand there for Sunday evening concerts. It's sort of a custom around here. His smile was beginning to thin out somewhat. I... Don't see where we'd be in the way. In fact, the concert and our show would complement each other rather nicely, I'd think. 
Well, of course, the band leader's my brother-in-law, and I guess I, I could have a word with him. But he's a awful money-minded sort, old Willie is. I just bet he'll figure that what with his band providing the draw for your show, he ought to be seeing something in the way of compensation. Yep, that collar was binding all right. Mumford stuck a finger down in it and yanked it forty ways from Sunday. Uh, how many tickets do you think this brother-in-law of yours is going to want? Well, let me see now. I began to count on my fingers. There's Willie his own self, well, that's one. And there's the rest of the boys in the band, that's nine more. Then, oh! Mumford burst into my calculations. I can't give away ten tickets, that's fifty dollars you're talking about. I looked up from my fingers and squinted. I thought you said you were making an adjustment in light of the town decency league, I reminded him. He ripped at his collar a while longer this time. All right, ten tickets, but that's all. I'll have to hold an additional private showing. Suppose you and your boys show up around nine o'clock. That way the paying customers will be gone and nobody will be the wiser. All right. I studied my toes for a spell. I guess that'd be all right, aloud. Now, about the peddling license. <laughs> By the time I left... I had 15 of his no-doubt ill-gotten dollars, a dozen tickets to a private show, three bottles of Mumford's Medical Miracle, and a much-improved outlook on life. In return, he had a scrap of paper with my signature authorizing him to conduct his business in town on a badly-stretched celluloid collar. I had to give the fella credit. I hadn't even cracked open a bottle of his snake syrup yet, and the day had already taken on a downright favorable appearance. This has been the Cinemania Society Presents Remedy. Copyright 2015 by Patrick Ireland. This story appears for the first time anywhere with permission of the author. Featuring Mark Hoffman as the sheriff, and Andy Slack as Dr. Mumford, with additional voices provided by Ethan Ireland at Hope Bravo. Editing and sound design by Ethan Ireland. Theme music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Incidental music and sound effects courtesy of Epidemic Sound. The Cinemania Society Presents is a product of the Cinemania Society, LLC.